Well, good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. Welcome to our third Christmas Eve service. Don't tell the first two services, but we definitely save the best for last. And so we're so glad that you you are here. My name is David, and I serve here at Trinity as lead pastor. And my wife, Erin, recently started a, a new job, and she goes into the homes of elderly individuals who are in the beginning stages of dementia or Alzheimer's, and she helps them with just their daily chores around the house. So she's there for a few hours a day, just doing whatever they need uh, to help them through their day. And it's just been this like constant uh, topic of conversation in our home because this is new for us. For, for our three daughters, most of them don't know my wife in this sort of a role where she goes out of the house and she has a job and she does things. And so we've been talking a lot about it. And the other day we were driving somewhere and my seven-year-old Madeline in the back seat, she said out of the blue, she goes, Daddy, Mommy has a job. And I was like, yep, she has a job. And then she thought for a second, and she goes, Daddy, do you have a job? <laughs> I was like, yes, I have a job, and that's why you're getting Christmas presents next week. I definitely have a job. You know, probably one of the most favorite parts of my job is tonight. Uh, you heard Melissa say it already, but I love Christmas Eve. I love this service, and I'm so glad that we're together. And, you know, this, this month here at Trinity, we've been studying the words of a man named Isaiah. And Isaiah lived about 600 to 700 years before Jesus was born. And Isaiah was a person that God spoke through to his people. And the people that Isaiah were speaking to, the, the Israelites, the people of Judah, they were in a really bad spot in their history. They had been defeated in battle by the Babylonians. They had been dragged into exile. They weren't living in their homeland. They were living somewhere else. They were at the risk of losing their cultural identity and their spiritual identity. They were losing their sense even of who God is and what he had done. And they were experiencing deep hopelessness about the future. And in the middle of this, Isaiah comes and he prophesies about a great hope that is coming, and he uses the metaphor of darkness and light. I want us to look at just this one verse together, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And tonight, just for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the light of Christmas. So there's this show on ABC called The Great Christmas Light Fight. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but my girls and I like to watch it. In every episode, there's four homes somewhere across the country who just have extravagant Christmas light displays on their house and in their front yard. It's just insane the time and the money they put into this. In every episode, they, they judge between the four houses, and they pick the house that has the best light d- display, and they write them a check for $50,000. I was watching the show, and I had three thoughts. Number one, Americans, right? We can turn literally anything into a televised competition, anything. Number two, that $50,000 check, I thought, how much of that goes to pay their electricity bill at the end of the holiday season? And then the third thing I felt was this wave of shame when I looked at my own house. And I was like, I, I, I'm that dad, like, my, my girls wish I was that dad who would go out in November and risk his life to put lights up on the top of the house I don't have it in me. I wasn't built, look at me, I'm not built for ladders. (laughs) I'm not built to go high. I'm built to stay down low. And uh, so our house is, in fact, there's this picture that goes around the internet every year. And this is how I feel like, you know, your neighbors have this amazing light display and you just, next door, you're just like, ditto. 
whatever they're doing, same over here. That's the way I feel about this light show. But Paul David Tripp, in his devotional, New Morning Mercies, he writes this about Christmas. He says, the Christmas story is really a light story. It's a story about the light coming into a world that has been sadly cast into darkness. Under the burden of the shroud of rebellion and sin, the world has become a dark place. And in the darkness of immorality, injustice, violence, greed, self-righteousness, thievery, racism, and a host of other ills, the world was desperate for light. And then he says this, everyone was part of the problem and everyone suffered from the problem, but no one could solve the problem. And so we come to the Christmas story, which is really a light story. And Isaiah says, on those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. On those. And that little preposition, that little word, on, it's the Christmas story. Because if Isaiah had said, from those living in deep darkness, a light has shone, well, that would be bad news for you and me. That would mean that we have to somehow have a bright enough light. That we have to create a way of salvation that we have to save ourselves and shine a light bright enough for ourselves and for our friends and for our families. But Isaiah doesn't say, from us came a great light. He says, upon us came a great light. And this is so important because the light you and I need was never gonna come from us. It was never gonna shine out of us. It had to come to us and had to shine upon us. Now, there's a few things we learn in this short verse about human nature and the human existence. Number one, whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, religious or irreligious, I think most of, us, most of us would admit that we sense that there is a darkness around us at times. If we're honest, there is a darkness inside of us sometimes. There is a darkness and we all need a light. But we also realize we can't give ourselves this light. We can't do it for ourselves. But it doesn't stop us from trying. The story of humankind is that we're trying to figure out how to shine this light from us or, or how to get this light. And there's really two approaches to this issue of the light. The first one is to look inside myself for the light. I can save myself. I can unlock my true self. I can be the best version of myself. And I can find answers and hope in me. And many of you have learned by now that the answers and hope you need are not found inside of you. And not only that, but sometimes people don't just try to shine a light for themselves. They try to shine a light for other people. But the problem is, is that it's exhausting. And eventually, not only will we disappoint other people, but we disappoint ourselves. We can't even live up to our own standards. Here's what this means. This light, it flickers and fades at all the worst times. So if we can't look inside, what do we do? We look horizontally to other things. We think about the light of success. If I'm successful enough, then I'll be saved from the darkness. The light of power and control. The light of being noticed. The light of being loved. The light of standing out. The light of fitting in. Whatever it is, something is your light. And whatever you want most and whatever your life is pointed towards and whatever you care about the most and whatever you go after, that is your light. That is the light that you hope will dawn on you and everyone has one. A couple years ago, I read an autobiography by Phil Knight, who's the founder of Nike, and the book is called Shoe Dog, and in it, he writes this about his dad. My father was a conventional Episcopalian. He was a believer in Jesus Christ, but he also worshiped another secret deity, respectability. Colonial house, beautiful wife, obedient kids. Yes, my father enjoyed having all of these things, but what he really cherished 
was that his friends and neighbors knew he had them. He liked being admired. And what Phil Knight is saying here is that his dad was religious, but his true light, his true God, if I can say it that way, was found in the way other people saw him, that they would respect him and admire him and look up to him. And every single one of us has a true light that we're looking to and putting our hope and trust in. But that kind of light can't drive away the darkness. It actually leads us into a different darkness, a deeper darkness. So in this example of needing to be respected and admired, now you invite into your life the darkness of needing to impress other people all the time. How exhausting is that? Having to always put a life out there on social media or live a life in such a way that everybody thinks that your life is perfect and you have it together. The darkness of having to control every situation and control the perspective of other people, how they see you. The darkness of the fear that comes from what if people find out that I'm not perfect and that my kids aren't perfect and that my life isn't great. That's a darkness that we invite into our lives when we pursue the wrong light. And even when the light does seem to shine on us and we have those moments of feeling respected or loved or accepted or successful, what it actually does is it doesn't satisfy us. It creates an appetite in us for a new light, for a greater light. We always have to have more. So even our pursuit of light, here's what I'm trying to say, even our pursuit of light leads us into darkness. And that's why Isaiah's words are so important. He says, upon you a light has dawned. Not from you, but upon you. Into this darkness, God sends a light. Every other light in this world that you chase after, power, control, success, approval, acceptance, you have to go chasing after it. But this is the one light that came chasing after us. The one light that descended from heaven to earth to come to rescue us and to save us. And what does the light do? The light does two things. Number one, the light shows us how lost we are, right? If you're out in the woods and you're lost, you don't know how lost you are until you get a light and you look around and you say, I don't know where I am. The light shows us how lost we are, but number two, the light doesn't leave us there. The light shows us the way out and offers us the way out. And that's the light of Christmas. Jesus came to show us how lost we are. The darkness in our world, the darkness in our hearts, that we can't save ourselves, that we can't manufacture our own light. But also, he didn't leave us that way. He came to shine his light on us to show us hope and a better way. I'm gonna ask the band to join me. We're gonna sing in just a moment. Recently, uh, my daughters and I watched this National Geographic documentary on Disney Plus called The Rescue. And The Rescue tells the story of those 12 soccer players from Thailand and their coach. Do you remember this in 2018? They got caught in the cave. They got stuck in the cave. They were climbing in the clay cave and the water began to rise and they couldn't get out. And there needed to be a rescue. And there was this massive global effort to rescue these boys. It's a compelling, gripping documentary. If you're claustrophobic, don't watch it. <laughs> but otherwise, you will enjoy it. And I think the most memorable part of the whole documentary for me is that they have actual footage, actual footage of the moment when the, when the cave divers find the boys for the first time. It's incredible. The, the, the cave divers come out of the water. They can smell the boys right away because the boys had been in there, I think, for almost a week or longer. And you see on the camera, the, the light of the camera points towards the boys and you see their faces of these little boys who thought that they were lost forever in the darkness. And that look on their face, that combination of relief and joy and hope, it's amazing. And I thought, that's the look on our face when Jesus shines on us. We're so lost. And the boys, I thought about this later, the only thing the boys contributed to their rescue 
was their need to be rescued. They didn't do anything. In fact, I had forgotten this detail, but when I was watching the documentary, I remembered that they had to actually sedate the boys in order to rescue them because if the boys were conscious, they would have fought against the rescuers. And doesn't that sound like you and us, you and me sometimes? Jesus comes to rescue us and we find ourselves fighting against the way that he wants to rescue us. But his grace, if I can say it this way, his grace sedates us. His grace allows us to receive his work so that he can rescue us. And so as a Christian, we're not prideful or arrogant that we've been rescued because the only thing we've contributed to the rescue is our need to be rescued. But Jesus came, the light of the world, on a rescue mission from heaven to save us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This Christmas season, here's what I'm praying for each of you. That if you are in a place where you're filled with anxiety and worry, you'll experience the light of his peace. If you're angry and upset, you'll, you'll experience the light of his healing. If you're sad and discouraged, you'll, you'll sense the light of his joy. If you feel like your dreams are behind you and the best is behind you, that you'll experience the light of his hope. If you feel like you've gone too far and you've messed up too much and God could never love you except you, you would experience the light of his grace. If you think you don't need him at all, that you would experience the light of his truth. Whatever you need, he's here in this season to give us that light so that we might see how lost we are, but also that we might see how found we are by Jesus Christ, the light of the world, our Christmas light. Let's pray together tonight. Jesus, we thank you that you came from heaven to earth, the light piercing the darkness, to give us hope in every circumstance, in every situation. And I pray for my friends that are here tonight, my friends that are watching online. God, I pray that they would be encouraged in this Christmas season to know that the darkness does not have the final say but that there is light. Just earlier this week, December 21st, winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, but the very next day and every day after that, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And that's the power of light to drive out dark, to overcome dark, help us not to lose hope, not to be discouraged, knowing that you are the light of the world and that you give us hope in every situation. We love you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.